Well, podcast family, I, I, I'm having a ball. I hope you're enjoying it. I hope you're liking and sharing and subscribing to the podcast. I hope these conversations are inspiring you. It's the Albert Tate Podcast. This week, moments that shape us. Um, the moment when I received my calling into ministry, I'll never forget it. It marked me um, and it reminded me that uh, God has a purpose for my life. And I was born for something. And guess what? You are too. You were born for something. Jossie Choco uh, from Australia runs a global ministry where he leads leaders who have accepted a call. And for some, that call cost them everything. But it was worth it because of the sake of the call and the, the dynamic of the call. I'm just telling you, if you're sitting there and God's nudging your heart, pushing you, to accept a calling. Maybe it's not pastoral. Maybe it's for something in your community. Maybe it's a business. Maybe it's something, but, but, but you're doing it for the glory of God. This podcast is going to inspire you. It's about calling. It's about folks that have given their life for something big in hopes that you would consider leaning into the bigger purpose of your life. Accept a call that may be lingering. Jossie's in the building. He's an amazing leader. And I hope you're encouraged to answer the call after you hear him talk about some leaders who've answered the call. Check it out, Jossie. Stadia has had the honor of helping hundreds of great leaders start new churches. We have a passionate desire to make sure that every child on the planet can experience the overwhelming love of Jesus Christ through the local church. This vision compels us to ask one very important question. Who's next? Who are the leaders that God is raising up to plant new churches? Who are the leaders that, that will answer the call to say, I'll follow, I'll raise up this generation, the next generation to know Jesus Christ and to change the world forever? Are you ready to start your church planting journey? Perhaps you know someone who is. Stadia is ready to help and we'll be with you every step of the way because we won't stop until every child has a church. Well, friends, Jossie Chaco is in the building. Oh my goodness. Australia All the is, is in the building. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Brother, I'm so excited. I've been waiting on this moment a long time. Oh, same, so, same. We've been talking so, about so it for good. a while, so. Take me back 19 years ago, you and these five guys, what, what's happening? What's the vision? Yeah, well, in terms of, I mean, we started, you know, I believe that the church is the answer for the world. You know, I think Bill Heibel says, you know, church is the hope of the world. And yeah. I really believe that because that's the only thing that Jesus is building on this earth. That's the church. Yeah. And the church is there to fulfill the great commission of, of sharing the gospel, making disciples, and also to do the good command yeah. and loving the neighbor, caring for orphans and widows. So it's a holistic integrated approach. Yeah. And so again, looking at Jesus' model and the early church. Yeah. Um, so I tried to pick as many guys as I could, mm. um, but after 18 months of efforts, um, still without knowing the language or anything, um, I could only find five guys. Mm. Um, so we basically got those five guys together and we just started to pray and seek God and mm. I began to share my heart with them and the journey. Mm. And during that, that period, God gave us a dream. Mm. You know, he, I was actually one evening just sitting on the rooftop and looking into the sky and there was these stars all over the sky. Mm. 
And I felt like God say, my dream is to see churches planted just like that wow. all over this nation and the nations of the world. Wow. Wow. And, and, and a friend, um, Stefan from Switzerland, he was with me and I just turned to him and I just said, hey, this is what I just um, felt God whispered to me. And he took hold of my hand and said, I believe it will happen and wow. I'm in. Wow. And, and we just prayed and I believe something powerful happened right there. And so then we shared that with these five guys and said, you know, he wants us to plan churches like the stars. And then as we prayed, we found out there were 500,000 villages without a single gospel witness. Mm. That's, you know, 500 million people yet to hear the name of Jesus. And then we said, what about if we could plant at least 100,000 churches, at least then within walking distance, people will have the opportunity to hear and then, you know, from multiply from there. And we were all reasonably young. We said, so how long, you know, we take the average age. In India, people don't live very long. So these five guys are, you know, so we kind of took the average age and said, okay, well, let's look at um, 2030. So before we all, you know, go to glory in the natural <laughs> sense. Uh, so we just uh, believed and prayed and set a goal let's plant 100,000 churches by 2030. And we got the biggest banner and we put it on the wall and we had our first conference, six of us. Wow. Planting 100,000 churches and by 2030. On the banner on with the, the six of y'all. On the massive big wall banner. Planting 100,000 churches. churches by 2030. <laughs> And we spent three days in, a, in an auditorium because the, the, the only room we could find was a room that, that seated 200 people. Wow. Um, uh, so that's where it, it birthed. And, wow. But then God began to bring other people and the five continued to grow. And eventually we ended up with about 30 people. And when it got to about there, we said, you know, we've we got to make disciples because that's the command, not just to grow a church. Yeah. Because, you know, Jesus said, I'll build a church. And if you make the disciples, so we, we need to make, So where is the disciples coming from? So we begin to pray and say, God, who are the people that you got your hand on? Mm. And uh, we, we feel the Lord lead us to some of the people. So we picked up 11 people from the 30. And we said, hey, we believe God's hand is on you and God wants to use you. Hmm. And our job is to equip you if you would surrender your life to Him. Wow. And they just said yes. And so we invited them into a special program where one of the leaders, th those 11 went and lived in the home with one of these five guys wow. for a year. They, you know, breakfast together with him, his wife, so his kids. So the first discipleship house yeah. was literally moving into the guy's house. Absolutely. And just doing life with them. Yeah. His wife, they his make, kids, yeah, everything. Yeah, making breakfast together, washing up, cleaning together. Discipling. Yeah, and, and the whole trans, you know, um, you know, their lives are transparent with yeah. each other. Yeah. Because discipleship is all about character building. Mm. And character is only exposed and developed in relationship. Hmm. Yeah, and, and, and so Jesus chose the disciples so that he can be with them. Yeah. And then teaching, and he had his own church, you know, so these guys were involved in that. And so then they can see how do, how do you raise kids? How do you have a, a healthy marriage? And yeah. how do you solve problems? And, and, 
and, and, wow. we, and we begin to teach them practical skills like you know cutting hair and tailoring and how to make soap and shampoo so that when they go out they can really help the people on the ground and bring those gifts and skills exactly and, All right. and be like the early church you know taking care of orphans and widows yeah. and, and and loving them with Jesus wow yeah so Jossie here's here it is 19 years later give me the report of what has happened from those five, six guys that we came, 30 people. Six, the sixth one was me, so six, I don't so, count so, myself in, so in that. The, you six guys, 30 got together, 11 in the discipleship house. Since then, how many people, men and women, have you all discipled? Yeah. You know, Albert, the greatest thing that I'm so blessed about is those five guys are still with me. They're still with you? Yeah. And wow. um, because they made a commitment for 2030. And, and it's not 2030 yet. Not so yet. we still so got work to do. Still got, so, and that's you know, the greatest joy for me. Uh, but those five now have multiplied to seven and a half thousand. Seven and a half thousand people. Full time workers. Full time workers in the ministry, in the ministry right now. They never. Exist. They were not even believers. Not They've believers at all. Before they came Converts. to Christ, they've been discipled and now in full-time ministry. Wow! But it doesn't Praise stop there. God. We are just getting ready to send another 980 new full-time workers right now. In the next two months, we'll send out another 980, and we plan to take in another 1,200 for the next batch. Wow! But. These seven and a half thousand has trained and developed and discipled another 15,000 lay leaders. Up under them? Uh, yeah, oh, wow. to, to serve with. And then they have trained and developed uh, 45,000 volunteers to serve in the ministry. Unbelievable. Uh, but Unbelievable. that's the work of Jesus. You know, he said, I'll build the church. And he's building it. If yeah. we, we make the disciples, he'll, he'll take use that material then to build his church. He'll take care of it. That's unbelievable. I am. Um, when I think of that, Jossie, um, you have these uh, discipleship houses now, training centers, yeah. where these young leaders come and they stay. Yeah. Um, tell me about the young leader that, um, that didn't qualify to get in the house. Oh, yeah. Um, well, we have certain criteria that we've kind of set mm -hmm. and, um, you know, uh, who can come in. and but. This guy came to Jesus and see the difference there is when somebody comes to Jesus, they are not coming to become a church member. Yeah. They are becoming workers they, mm. because they are the church yeah. and they become a disciple and then become a church planter because they see themselves as not church members. Yeah. And I think whereas in the West when somebody becomes a Christian, they become a church member. So this guy, his dream was to plant a church. So he applied. And in the interview process, found out he couldn't read and write. He was illiterate. So they said, sorry, you don't meet our criteria. Can't out. Yeah. But he wouldn't, he wouldn't quit. He just kept coming back. But I need to plant a church because that's what Jesus wants us to do. That's what we live for. That's what you guys are teaching all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, but they just said, but our policy is this. And finally he went and sat in, the, in one of our discipleship you know, training homes and said, I'm not leaving. I'm, I'm just staying here. He just came into class and said, I'm not getting up. I'm not getting up. I'm, I'm, I'm just staying here because <laughs> I, 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 need to, I need to plant a church. What happened? Um, well, 
the leader's heart was, you know, melting and he talked to him and said, look, I cannot put you as an official student because it's against the policy, uh, but here's what we'll do. We'll let you stay, but you won't be on the list. You will not graduate. And, you know, we give them a church planting kit, like a bicycle, a carpet, uh -huh. drum, uh -huh. tamarind, Bibles, you know, um, it's about $550. Um, all the tools to plant a church. He said, yeah. you won't get that. And then to pioneer the work, we give them financial help. You know, he said, you don't, you're you not going to get that. And if you would agree to all of that, you can remain. You can stay in the class. Yeah. Okay. And he said, yeah, that's fine. Okay. So he did. Finally, the graduation comes, all his friends, 22 friends that he's been, spent a year with. Because he stayed faithful and he was there. All the time. The whole he time. He stayed there for one year. Graduation day. Day. All his 22 friends are all dressing up and marching out, and he's he just has to sit out there. Um, this is my organization that I lead. <laughs> Where was love? You know, right, was right, love? Right, right, right. That's brutal. So he's sitting there watching his friends graduate. Graduate and get their certificates. And then we, we have a very, I think one of the most beautiful times of graduation is the commissioning prayer where they kneel down dedicating their life and they literally all join hands together and yeah. take a vow of martyrdom. Even mm -hmm. if we have to die, we'll die for Jesus. They take a vow of, of martyrdom. martyrdom. That's not required by us, but all our students, they just they do, do that, that. Mm -hmm. because that's what Jesus asked. And um, so when they were just getting ready, kneeling down for this, you know, the commissioning prayer, um, he went and said to the pastor, I need to be with them. Would you pray for me as you pray for them? So he and he just knelt down. He just came right and there he just get this. himself in there and knelt down. And again, the leader had, you know, no God. So they, you know, let him he, stay there. He had some compassion. Compassion, praise, praise yeah, Jesus. that's it. So, yeah, so the love came. I the think. love came. The love came. So he, they laid hands on him. They laid on hands on him. But he prayed. didn't get a certificate. Nothing. Didn't yeah. get a bike. Nothing. Didn't get any of the other no. stuff. And gone. And they leave. Yeah. So now, because he was not on our system, we don't hear anything. Mm -hmm. But later on, we found out what was happening was those 22 guys that he was in training with. His classmates. His classmates the cohort that he was with, they were collecting the money that we were giving them, uh -huh. they will share and collect it together and give it to him. And give it to him. That's love. Wow. And one of the guys, you know, said, look, I'm, you know, I, I can do without a bicycle and the church planting kid. Um, here it is. They gave so it they to gave him. So they gave him the bike. So they were pooling together, together extra to, money. Yeah, to help him. To and they will go and help him with the church planting efforts. And they, because they meet together every month, they're praying, they're helping. And again, that's just the love that, you know, because of living together, relationship is shaped. And so fast track, I'm, I'm not hearing any of this, okay? I'm at a conference and our leader comes and says, hey, you got to meet this guy and hear his story. And says, this is six years after that commissioning prayer. So six years later. Yeah. And um, he said, I want you to meet this young guy. He has actually planted 42 churches in the last six years. 42 churches in the last six, six years. years. This was the kid that this didn't the, get the certification, didn't get the money. Absolutely. Wow. And doesn't stop there. He had discipled and released 24 full-time workers to take care of those churches. Didn't send them to the to the discipleship house or training program. He and just I, did and it I see why not. He's yeah, like, y'all, because y'all probably can't get in there. <laughs> but I got all the tools. Yeah, I'm just going to do this with you. And he discipled how many workers? 22? 24. 24. 
that in, are in now that running years. those churches. Yeah. In six years. In six years. I need to get up now and go disciple somebody. I feel like I, I, yeah. I, I thought I was doing good. Oh my but, God, but, that's amazing. But more than that, he said he had baptized 1,040 people. He had baptized 1,040 people. It's not hands up, Is baptized believers. He said not hands up. No, just hands up and a, and a prayer, it's just, you these, know, these are good old-fashioned dunks. Absolutely. Y'all didn't Abs- win under. Absolutely. Oh, wow. And then, more important, doesn't stop there. In his village, there is no school because that's why he was illiterate and, you know, there was no school. So he felt the need because, again, in the training, he heard about how we need to be reaching out to the community and taking care of all the needs. And yeah. So he said, I'm going to start a school. So he started a school and he had a school with 230 kids. He had a school with 230 kids? Absolutely. He was illiterate. Did he? Yeah. Did he learn how to? Well, that's exactly. I thought so. I'm hearing this, and so now I said, "Tell me the miracle of how God taught you to read and write." And he goes, "No, God didn't teach me to read and write." And I said, "You are the the leader of the school." He said, "Yeah, I'm the director of the school." I said, "How?" He said, "Because I started it." So if you want to be a director of anything, go just and start it. Just start it. Thus the story of my life. Yeah, just, <laughs> just start it. So. Wow. And it was just so beautiful. So how did, he, how did he work that out? How did he work out reading and understanding? And yeah, he, he, um, he has his daughter who can read and write. Uh-huh. She sits and reads the Bible. Wow. And he memorizes the scriptures. Wow. And when I met him, I said, how much have you memorized? He said, only, ha- only up to half of the New Testament. Unbelievable. And then he has a tree out in the, in, in the village that he would go and climb on the tree and sit there meditating on that scripture that he's memorized and asking God, God, what does this mean for me and my people? Wow. And he just listened to the wow. Holy Spirit to speak to him. Wow. He said, I just come back and tell them. And I hear God speak and I just come back and tell the people. Jasky, that's amazing. Yeah. When I, is, when I hear that, I think about how amazing and exciting that is, yeah. the testimonies, but I can't help but, but stumble on the word that you used. You said they take a vow of martyrdom. Yeah. Have you guys experienced people losing their lives for the sake of carrying this gospel message? Absolutely, unfortunately, yes. Um, and that's the, the, the sad reality yeah. of working in these regions. Yeah. Um, I've lost 14 of my faithful leaders and their, their, their wives, their widows. They haven't left Jesus. They're still serving with us. Their kids, they haven't left Jesus. They are serving Jesus with us. And many others have suffered unbelievable persecution. But, you know, in the West, we are shocked by that. Yeah. But for them, it's like Paul, these marks are the stripes of yeah. my apostleship. Wow. For them, wow, we get to do this for Jesus. That is, it is, it is, I mean, even for me, I'm still learning what that is really all about. There's but they just have such deep, sincere love for Jesus they don't care what happens to them. And one of them um, was actually uh, made to watch his wife being raped. 
And they said to him, you deny Jesus, we'll let you go, we'll let her go. And I said to myself, what would I do? We have another guy, he lost everything, all earthly possessions, no insurance, nothing will ever get back. And I was talking to him, he said, aren't you angry with God that he didn't protect all this? And he said, no, I'm not angry with God. And I said, why not? Because I've never had anything to start with. Mm. But you had the house, you had a farm. No, when I came to Jesus, I gave it all to Him. So I cannot lose what I don't own. So their understanding of, you know, surrendering your life to Christ, denying yourself, you know, dying to yourself, being buried with Christ, and is no longer I that lives, is a very different paradigm to what we understand in the West. It's not about invite, close your eyes, bow your head, invite Jesus into your heart. No, this is all in. In this, in this region of Asia, um, coming to Christianity, families many times are hostile towards that as well. I remember you telling the story of a young man um, who was running the risk of being disowned by his family because of his faith. Yeah. Tell, me, tell me about him. Yeah, I mean, you can understand, you know, these people, families for hundreds, thousands of years have been following certain religion and faith. And, you know, they're very proud about that. And then immediately when a member who hears about a faith that they never ever heard in their lives, something new, and then, you know, goes for it, there's significant hostility, which yeah. is natural. So, and, 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 and we understand that. And, but then, so, sadly, some of that turns into persecution. And, but this story um, of this young guy, you know, 16 years of age. 16. Um, yeah, um, through a friend, um, heard about Jesus, and then began to read the scriptures, and he just fell in love with Jesus. And um, then he was kind of hiding everything from his family because his, um, his, his father was a priest in another faith and, you know, a religious leader. And, and so he didn't want to upset anything. But then finally, one day, his father found the Bible under his pillow. And I said, what is this? And he said, this is Bible. And what is that? Why is it? Why do you have it? He said, because I love Jesus. And all hell broke. And, the, the, I mean, he loved his dad, and they had a really good family, you know, relationship. But then the father tried to persuade him through rational, emotional, blackmailing, like, you know, months after months, trying to win him back to the family faith. Um, but the young man just kept, said, no, I love Jesus. Um, finally, now the family, the, you know, the, 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 the shame, you know, the loss of face, shame culture, the father could not live anymore because now the word has got out that his son is betrayed the family faith and is following Jesus. So he's being shamed in the community externally yeah, absolutely. and People also are. feeling internal shame yeah, himself. Yeah, because he's, you're a religious leader, you know. Well, how come? If you know, you're trying to convince us of this faith, but your you can't convince son. your own son. Yeah. And so he just, you know, couldn't live with it anymore. He called a family meeting and said, um, look, uh, I cannot live with this shame anymore. Son, you have a choice. Come back to the family faith and restore my honor in the community. If you cannot do that, I'm going to commit suicide because I cannot live anymore.
16 years of age, he weeps and he tells, Daddy, I love you, I love you. I don't want you to do anything like that. The father said, well, you have till tomorrow morning to decide. The decision is in your hands. At 16 years of age, the kid is weighing his father's life whom he loves and keeping Jesus. That he only heard about and come to know in the last six months. So he's a daddy that he's known for 16 years. And here is a Jesus that he's known for six years, six months. Now he's got to choose between one or the other. Oh, wow. Now he calls his, his pastor and explains. And the pastor, heart is broken. And said, look, I cannot advise you. I cannot tell you what to do. You pray and ask Jesus what Jesus wants you to do. And then the pastor calls the whole church and they prayed all night, every believer. And that's one of the most beautiful things I can tell you. They know how to pray. They fast, they pray because they are so dependent on God. All night, all the believers just were on their knees praying for their brother wow. who is going through this agony. And um, so he's on his knees, weeping, praying, reading the Bible, trying to hear from God. Three o'clock in the morning, he flicked the page of the Bible and he read, if you deny me before men, I will deny you before the Father. Wow. He calls the pastor and says, this is what I just read. I think, I think that's what Jesus is telling me. But I don't want my dad to die. And the pastor said, look, we are praying with you that you would do whatever Jesus asked you to do. In the morning, the father calls the family together. This kid is, you know, just, I mean, imagine, you know, so distorted, he, he, he fumbles and literally falls on the ground. The father's sitting in a chair, the other's sitting around. He falls lying down, grabs the feet of his daddy and just weeping, saying, Daddy, I love you, Daddy, I love you. But I don't want you to die. I don't want you to kill yourself but I cannot deny Jesus because I love Jesus. And the father said, is that what you want? And said, Daddy, I love you. I don't want you to die, but I, I cannot deny Jesus. And the father was keeping a knife right underneath him. He took the knife and killed himself. Oh, wow. Now this, the blood is, the kid is, covered in the blood of his, his own father. And family turns against him as the word got out, the community turns, so he runs. It runs to the pastor's house. And the pastor said, this is no safe place for you to stay. We had to put him in, you know, in a safe place uh, for, far away, which was one of these discipleship homes. Um, and then counseling him and trying to restore him. And, uh, you know, when I heard about that, wow, what would I do? Do I love Jesus enough to do that? Mm. It's not that he's a bad young man. He loved his daddy. Yeah. But he just loved Jesus a little bit more than his own daddy. Wow. And I think that's the kind of love Jesus expects from us, but it is pretty hard for us to comprehend. And... Um, he was in the, in the discipleship program and he just sat, sat in the class and went through that. And then he said, you know what? My dad was a religious leader, a priest, and I also want to become. I want to, 
I want to continue that family legacy, but I'm going to leave for Jesus. I'm going to become a church planter and a pastor. Wow. Wow. So even all of that did not stop him. And today he's um, planted two churches and he's pastoring two churches. And he's a beautiful young man. Anytime we talk about it, he's still heart broken, heart melts, but still loving Jesus. When you think about love, that's a love deeper and wider than I think we could, oh, yeah. we could imagine. Yeah. But I think that's the love that Paul prays that we would experience. Yeah, and that's the love that Paul talks. He says, you know, the love of Christ compels me. Compels me. Yeah. Yeah, it propels, it's come So it's a, it's a force. Wow. You know, it's not just a gooey feeling. It, it's, you know, it has a, a, a compelling, propelling force mm. that moves us to do things that are beyond rational and logic and intellect. You know, intellect. And, and when you look at Jesus, isn't that what he did? It's exactly, it's exactly, what, it's exactly what God did. The only son. The only son. It's, it's funny because it's not a model that's foreign to us, but it's a model that we just don't see lived out often. I, um, I think I am, and I think anybody that's really listening and paying attention, they're all inspired, convicted, and challenged by that kind of love. Um, so on behalf of all of us who've been inspired and challenged, thank you for inviting that little boy on your honeymoon. Uh, because the love that it sparked in you, it's caught a flame. And now that flame is burning through Asia. Um, it's affecting us in America. And I pray that that kind of love will take flame across the country and across the world. It's really my prayer that you know, our, those of you watching will truly um, allow that love of Christ to come into your heart yeah. and, you know, not to be on that treadmill chasing material success, yeah. but just allow that love of Christ to come into your hearts and then begin to listen to Him and whatever He says to you, begin to do it, whatever it may be. Yeah. And then you will begin to see miracles happen. So he will build the church. He will take care of things. We just need to be filled with His love and love Him and love people and just keep obeying Him. And we're praying that all over America, people will rise up. Men, women, young people, older people. God's looking for such people. Every Friday, we fast and pray for you that God will raise up such a generation in your nation so that we will see America coming back to Jesus. Amen. Amen. At our church, we, um, we do something that we call question of the day. Okay. So we ask our congregation a question, uh -huh. they turn around in fellowship time and do that. So uh -huh. I want to have a segment that we call question of the day. Well, I'm just going to ask you a list of questions. Okay. And you just respond and react and uh -huh. be rapid fire. Just give yep. me your answer to the question. Okay. All yep. right, we ready? Great. All right. If you could join any musical group in history, which one would it be? Oh, it'd be just a black African-American church choir. <laughs> Absolutely. And my wife would join it. I love it. I my wife love would join it. it. I love it. I think, we can, I think we got some black churches that'll take you in. Man. Oh, that'll yeah. I'm in. I'm in, man. What is something that everyone else loves that you think is overrated? 
Oh, that's a tough one. Yeah. I think um, for me personally, I think it's all titles and positions. And titles and positions. It's yeah, overrated. I mean, what? It's overrated. Yeah. It's easy for it to be overrated when you're the president <laughs> of a hey. global organization. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you started the new one too. I did it. So, I did yeah, it. Yeah. What other profession would you consider if you weren't doing what you're doing right now? Oh, a farmer. A farmer. Absolutely. Because really? you know what? Animals are so much better and easier to work with than people. <laughs> Your current staff will not be offended by that at all. That's so good. What's, um, what's something that you're disappointed that you're still bad at? Um, golf. Golf. I, 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 I mean, I can play reasonably well, but not as well as I would love to be playing. You, you, probably, you still suck, huh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> what is something you used to say that you don't say anymore? I cannot do that. I cannot do that. Yeah. You don't say that anymore? No. Hmm. Because Jesus can do anything, everything, and all things are possible. Hey, with what God's done in your life? I would never say I can't do that. You've seen too much. Um, what's something that you pray a lot about that you don't talk about? Uh, three things that I pray three times every day. Wisdom, favor, and provision. That's good. That's good. When was the last time you had to say, I'm sorry? To my wife. Uh, and my kids mm. a few weeks ago. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, we went on holidays, uh -huh. and I didn't really want to be on holidays, <laughs> you know, because for me to be home is holiday. Yeah. But hey, they wanted it, so when? But I wasn't very happy. I wasn't there. I was incorporating. Yeah. I was a bit mean. Yeah. But then I just had to say. I'm and sorry. What, did you apologize on the trip, or was it? At the end of the trip? Um, no, after we got and checked into our hotel. Okay, you caught it. I went into the bedroom and I got some look from my wife. <laughs> and I could feel the presence <laughs> of the Holy Spirit coming in. Also known as your wife. Yes. <laughs> no, that's good. That's yeah. good. So we, can, we caught it pretty quick. Yeah. What, um, what is something that is often misunderstood about you? Oh, people think that I'm an extrovert, and so they want to come and hang out with me, but I'm an introvert. Hey, just leave me alone, you know? <laughs> that was great, but I yeah. just need my time. You need your time. Yeah. No, that's good. That's good. Um, what is an area of your leadership where you're still growing in? Oh, long, long, long list. Mm. Um, I think, you know, empowering people, releasing. I'm, I'm, releasing. I'm still a little bit of a perfectionist. I like things to be, you know, right. Mm. And being gracious to people who are maybe not there yet. Yeah. Um, also, I think when, when people disappoint you, um, you know, that you love and trust and invested heavily and then they do something stupid or yeah. choose a direction that, that is less than what God has for them. Yeah. I, I can really lose my, my patience a little bit on that and, yeah. and, 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 and attitude and, 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 and there's a whole lot. Yeah. yeah, no, that's good. That's good. Last one. Favorite cuss word. I, I actually don't. Um, yeah, I just don't use it. 
Don't use any cuss words. No, not at all. Not a preferred one when you stub no, your toe. No. Because you're a good, godly Christian man. Oh, it wasn't like that, you know, before. Uh, but, but I can say honestly, in the last, you know, ten years, it just doesn't even come to my mind. Well, you've got several languages, so you could probably cuss in other languages that people wouldn't even know. <laughs> Jossie Chaco, thank you so much. Hey, Albate, it's so, so great to be with you. you. It was good. And love you guys. Love you too. Thank you so much.